Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who hasn't tuned in before, my name's Nick. I host the podcast and I'm working in the digital space for about 15 years now. And I've also recently become, well, I say recently, about six months ago, became the CEO of a Shopify marketing agency called Just Ask Parker. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button before we go any further, just because it helps support the show and it means you'll never miss an episode. We post every Friday, although for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be slightly different because, of course, Christmas is upon us. So we're not going to be posting on Christmas Day itself, partly because you guys aren't going to be available to listen, but also because I'm going to be enjoying a nice big Christmas lunch. If you've been tuning in for quite a while, I just want to say a massive thank you from the team and myself for tuning into the podcast, for supporting the business, for sending in recommendations, and also to any guests we've got listening out there as well. It's been a fantastic year, and we've thoroughly enjoyed running the podcast. Our numbers are going up, our subscribers are going up, and our reviews are looking absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for supporting the show. We've got a very special episode today and a very special guest to finish off the year on a high. Obviously, the podcast is called Winning with Shopify, and I'm delighted to introduce our guest for today, Tim from Shopify themselves. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you here. And just before we dive in, do you want to just give us a quick overview to your role and how long you've been at Shopify and all that sort of stuff and your background as well? Yeah, sure. So I've been at Shopify Plus for three years now. So it's been a wild ride. I was one of the first employees in the UK for Shopify Plus. My role really is to help merchants scope out solutions, scope out what Shopify can do for them, support plus agencies and companies like yours, just helping merchants see what they can do on Shopify and what's possible and and helping convincing them to come on to Shopify at the end of the day. So really a a little bit of a technical sales role at the end of the day. Awesome. And I can certainly vouch that you've been incredibly useful to a number of our clients. There's one in particular, which we're launching in January, and we won't mention their name because it's all a bit hush-hush at the moment. But um, certainly your involvement and your team's involvement in that has been so significant, as you say, both to their decision of choosing Shopify, but then also it's been a bit of after sales as well in terms of answering questions or trying to integrate things like their merchandising system or how their store point of sale systems work with Shopify, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I can certainly actually been incredibly helpful to us over the years uh, as well, Tim. And one quick question on what you just said. Some of our listeners, not many, I'm sure, but some of our listeners will be saying, Shopify Plus? What does the plus mean? Oh, yeah, that's uh, the <laughs> question I get most often. So <laughs> sure. plus really is the enterprise offering of the Shopify plans, right? So you've got the core advanced and Shopify plans, which are really for I'd say your your small stores just starting out and then any advanced you can you can even get quite large on an advanced plan but that's sort of the the top of the of the smaller plans and then 
plus is where we start saying, right, you're you're becoming a successful business now. How do we help you grow even more and scale even more? And with the plus plan, then you do get a few extra features, you get some human uh, contact and support and guidance. I, I could quickly list them out. So you got the Flow app, which is really a business automation tool, which allows merchants to set up all sorts of rules and triggers, segments, etc. And Flow can tag these uh, customers and orders. And Flow can also push data to other platforms, hide stock, all that kind of great stuff that you don't want to be repeating over and over and over again. You've also then got Scripts app, which allows you to do discounting in the cart. So that's been really useful over Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You want to get these average order values higher, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. And Launchpad, which allows you to schedule big sales periods. So again, with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Launchpad, you set it up. It switches everything to sale on Thursday night. Nobody has to stay up till midnight. So it's all really good, convenient features to help merchants focus on growing their business instead of worrying about the tech, you know? When clients ask us, we often call it uh, Shopify on steroids, which often raises some eyebrows because people then think, well, I thought Shopify was just a, essentially a little website builder tool. And of course, that's changed a huge amount now. So obviously Shopify used to be a sort of off the shelf, let's run this. And then, you know, a particular retailer came along, Plus was born. And I think since then, it's opened the door to enterprise level um, merchants, as you say. So the one we're doing at the moment is going, uh, you know, it's a huge leap, is going from Hybris, which has cost them millions to build and run, to Shopify, obviously Shopify Plus, but uh, still Shopify, which when we've told a few agencies that don't work with Shopify, they've been absolutely gobsmacked that we're doing such a, a jump. They're sort of like some of the comments we've had, are, do they not care about their business? And then when we talk about the reasons for moving, the fact that on Hybris, just even creating a page on the site is so difficult. Everything has to be manually coded. And actually, our name and shame Hybris quickly because we're on the Shopify podcast. They've broken their sitemaps. Their sitemaps, they update every night, which is correct. The XML sitemap of a site should update every night. But one of the issues we've had on the Hybris store, that's the current site that's still live, is that every night when it updates, it creates a new URL for each of the sub-sitemaps around the site. So there's two for categories, one for products, one for blog posts, etc. But the URL of them changes. So by the time Search Console's caught up with the URL, there's been three or four since because there's been a new one every single day. So lots of stores are having this issue at the moment. And when we raised it with Hybris, they're like, no, no, everything's fine. And then a couple of weeks later, oh, yes, this has updated. And it's like, just it's costing tens of thousands to try and fix that. And it's like, well, moving to Shopify, you can't even access the XML sitemap necessarily. Like it's it's just done for you. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah, all that kind of stuff is is all out of the box. And obviously you can make manual changes to the sitemap, but you don't ever have to worry about it breaking or somebody in your team breaking it by accident or something like that. I mean, I will just say, I also have done a lot of work with IR500 brands in my last uh, job as well. And yeah, the amount of times it was like, oh, we have to wait six months for a developer to make a small little change on a hybrid site or a demandware site or something like that. Coming to Shopify, yeah, I get the you know jaw-dropping moment where people see me just change something on a site and two minutes later it's live on their actual live sites and it's really eye-opening for a lot of merchants. Yeah, and even things like if you want to increase page speed, you can do that in minutes, not months. It's literally that, that sort of difference. But um, just taking a step back then from the technical stuff... Obviously, this has been such a weird year, hasn't it? We've had lockdowns, we've had a pandemic, Brexit's going on in the UK as well. And I noticed a good percentage of our um, listeners here are in the UK or in Europe, which is affecting Europe as well. What's it been like on the inside of Shopify? You know, obviously, no, no insider secrets, please. But uh, just what, what's it been like within Shopify? Has it just been a really successful year of growth? Have there been some real challenges you guys have faced? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not 
not a great reason to be successful, but it has been an amazing year for Shopify. I think uh, COVID definitely has pushed everything forward for a lot of merchants. And we had a one point in, during the first lockdown where people were just hopping onto Shopify and not not even requiring my services that much because they were like, well, well, we need to get on now because we want to get our point of sale in our physical store ready for when shops reopen and all that kind of thing. And we'll just find a plus agency and start working on it in the background. So it's really accelerated a lot of decisions, I think. Inside Shopify, I think everyone saw that Toby and Shopify leadership said everyone can work from home. They sorted us out with digital by default. So from a employee point of view, it's been actually uh, really amazing to be supported like that. Nice. Obviously, the lows, it was fun to travel around and see merchants and see the uh, rest of the Shopify team, that kind of thing. So those are definitely things we all miss. But yeah, and insofar as being an amazing year for Shopify sales and, and growing, et cetera, it's, it's been unreal. And then we've also got Brexit, like you say, and we had a great webinar yesterday as well, which people can look up, but Brexit's coming around the corner. So Shopify has been pushing out a lot of features to help with these COVID situations and, and hopefully Brexit will have everything ready for that as well. But yeah, it, it's been a really weird year, like you say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think some of the complications with Brexit around the corner, and we've got a problem with this at, at Just Ask Parker at the moment to be completely open about this, is it, things like VAT. Like at the moment, if you provide a service, so it's spec, my, my team in London. At spec, it's easy because we just we either charge VAT in the UK or we don't outside of the UK. It's simple. Whereas Parker is a service as a product. So then we've had all these conversations and asked, we've asked the European government and our own government via the sort of tax channels whether we should be charging VAT to our customers in those territories or not. And the answer is no one's got a clue. But on the 1st of January, it'll be nice and simple. And then, of course, in the UK, all the advertising at the moment is get prepared for Brexit. So you go on the get prepared for Brexit website, um, the government set up and it basically says we're still in negotiations. So keep an eye on this. And it's like, we're, it's the 10th of December at point of recording this. And we still don't know what the tax rates are going to be, what tariffs are going to be, what is going to happen with all of our fishing. And it's, it's absolutely bonkers. But given that it's politics, doesn't surprise me one bit. This is classic British politics of we have no idea what's going on. And business owners, I think all we can really do is just kind of crack on and do what we know is right and ask the experts and what we don't know is right. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, yesterday's uh, webinar was quite enlightening as well, but I think everyone's in the same boat. We're waiting for, uh, I think Boris is still over there right now, isn't he? We're waiting for him to strike a deal, hopefully. I, in I, fact, by the time people listen to this, they might know <laughs> the outcome of that meeting. But I remember seeing on the news a few days ago, it said Boris is going to get the Eurostar from London to Paris. And then a couple of days later, it's Boris is flying <laughs> to Brussels. So at this rate, he's going to be getting a private chartered jet or rocket or something if uh, if things continue. But um, yeah, we, we should know by, by the time this goes out Friday next week, we should know what's going on. And I hope we do because it's about time people need a bit, at least a few weeks to prepare. But there's nothing in the world of business. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been completely uh, bonkers, really. I think we've been pushing as much as we can in, insofar as duties and, and new features to help merchants set up shipping, etc. Obviously, we're in the same boat wanting to hear the latest and, and VAT rates, etc. But if you think about it, like on a plus plan, you get 10 stores anyway. So sure. it shouldn't be too difficult for some merchants to uh, say, right, well, we're based out of the UK. Let's quickly spin up a, a French store or a German store because that's our second biggest market or whatever it might be. And they're obviously, I'm not going to give any advice on the VAT or legal side, but me you know, neither. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely very easy to, to try and accommodate some of these things and spin up another store, even if it's just for testing purposes, like let's spin up a store, replicate replicate the theme, replicate stock, et cetera, uh, and just see how sales go from that point of view. And then obviously integrations uh, 
take a bit longer, but you can easily test things out. I think that's a really important point, actually, is around just generally around when you've got a live store, you don't want to be editing the live store. So having some sort of testing demo environment you can play on is really important. Mm. I remember on the Shopify basic plan in the old days, there used to be the um, off, offline editor. So you could download a tool onto your laptop. Oh, right, yeah. Build a theme. The only downside was when you're building the theme, it wouldn't have any products or collections in it. Oh, right. So you'd just be playing with dummy content. So when you then uploaded it to the store, you'd still have this kind of heart-in-mouth moment of like, is it is it going to work or is it going to break? And if it breaks, am I going to be on the phone to Shopify trying to fix this while all my advertising still alive and all my customers are trying to get into my store? And mm. but yeah, certainly having a, for, for all of our Shopify Plus customers especially, we've got those, um, we've got at least two stores set up. One is for testing purposes and then we can even link the the liquid themes from one to the other so if we're making changes on one when we're ready we can just push that element or those just the header file for example to live as you say for, for, for a sale or for black friday or something as you mentioned earlier yeah i should probably also add we do have the multi-currency feature on shopify payments right so sure if uh, if a merchant just wants to trial out selling internationally it is quite possible to kind of switch on shopify payments and switch on a, a different currency obviously the euro <laughs> being the important one here yes switch, <laughs> switch on the euro and and you can set up currency rounding rules to make sure that whatever the exchange rates on the day is you still get your nine euros 99 instead of 1054 or whatever it might be and then yeah you can set up different vat rates as well in a single store so there's definitely a lot of options for merchants obviously pending uh, the decision there's definitely options for them to test out and see which way they want to go sure and we're currently helping a couple of shopify plus stores go international a lot of them are international already and they've got kind of multi-currency whatever but from an seo point of view it's one store and then yeah. if you change location and language, the currency doesn't change. It just says multi-currency options at, at cart, which basically means they're still paying in pounds or dollars, even if they're you know out in Japan, for example, when they should be using yen. Yeah, so they've not got that bit set up. So from an SEO point of view, we're now looking at, well, how do we give Google an English version of the store for the US, an English version of the store for the UK, a all of Europe version, and then maybe a specific German and French versions as well, and Spanish, you know, that sort of thing. And so it, it's a really good platform for that. We've got a, a client on Magento 2, using a dirty word for this podcast, but on Magento <laughs> 2, we're looking, at, we're looking at nine months of development time to roll this out, which the, the worst thing about that is not even the nine months or the cost. The worst thing about that is with Shopify, when we roll out multi-currency and multi-language, we then, because the platform is so flexible, we have the option to then play with it afterwards. So we do kind of phase one rollout and then we go, oh, what's working? What's not? Ah, we should just add in Denmark, Sweden, Norway. Now it's working. Let's just roll it out to every single country we can because we do ship to all of those countries and some of them we have local warehouses in and, you know, that sort of stuff. So we're then like just rolling it out, rolling it out. Whereas with this Magento 2 one, it's like, well, even if this works, it's a hugely complicated business. But even if it works, then we've got another six to 12 months afterwards of, well, it's worked now. Let's make some more tweaks to it, which puts a lot of pressure on everybody because the client's kind of like, this better work if we're investing all this money. And we're sort of saying, well, there's a slim chance it won't. And if it doesn't, we'll have to do something else to fix it. And if it's going to take six to nine months, we could be looking at literally two years before we get any return on this stuff. And it's like, should we just should we just call Shopify now and have a conversation? <laughs> because it's just getting too much. Or, or should we look for a new Magento 2 agency? Because it's looking like it's just too slow. You need an agency that can do stuff quickly, not overnight. And there is a, there's definitely an element of too quickly. But yeah, I just think having a platform you can actually grow and scale on is a good problem to have, but it's still a major problem. The worst problem is trying to get sales in the first place, which arguably a better platform will help you do that as well. 
Yeah, yeah, that sounds really uh, difficult and complicated. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of a uh, Shopify Plus uh, deployment that's taken over two years or near to two years. But yeah, well, you, you got my number, Nick. You can send them our way. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. I, I sort of don't talk to you for three months, and then yeah. suddenly you get five emails from me, and you're like, "Wow, these are some great British brands. Mm. I love this." <laughs> cool. Okay, we're well, going back to going back to kind of what's happening this year then, because I think it'd be important just to do a bit of reflection on. What's happened this year? So again, for our listeners listening in going, right, what am I going to do next year? And um, would you, in, in your opinion, then say that the online e-commerce world has got more competitive as a result of so many new players entering the market? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think everything's becoming more competitive, right? I suppose if, if we look at the job situation, we're going to have loads of people starting new stores and, and trying to do different things online or and some being really successful, etc. I think there's definitely still space for Loads of people starting their own niche brands, finding their own products. We've got the dropshipping world is still continuing. So I think there's still space. Definitely, it's becoming more competitive. Look at what's happening to the high street retailers. Those those brands are all going to have to, well, most of them are going to close down, I guess. But hopefully, uh, the latest one in the news will be rescued and they can reboot somehow. But yeah, you've got all of those those kinds of brands struggling to make it in the re- in the real world or the or the physical world. And then I guess going back, you you after this COVID, hopefully we'll ha- we'll still have some sort of high street store that we can go and visit and maybe have a coffee and experience, etc. But yeah, it's it's definitely very competitive i would say but there's still space and and people starting new stores all the time i think even being a shopify employee we get encouraged to start our own staff stores <laughs> nice. i've not i've not <laughs> i've not been that successful yet I've, I've tried a few but i've got a few colleagues that have they've got decent little businesses on the side that they use to supplement their income and then one or two have been so successful they've left shopify right so they've just been so done that well that they can actually quit Shopify. Sad to see them go, but definitely uh, nice to have them on as merchants as well, you know? It's interesting you say that because there's two things that suddenly hit me in my, in my mind. One was like, wow, what a great policy. So you keep your staff motivated, help them to really get kind of product understanding. Second thing was, but the best ones are then going to leave because <laughs> they'll be yeah. they'll be off because if they're any good at it, they'll make lots of money. But uh, I think, yeah, it's certainly interesting. And it, one thing we've seen, certainly in sort of go- the Google search side of things is it's definitely more competitive than ever. Like, And I think a good way to describe lockdown from a sort of SEO perspective and what we've seen with our clients is, Lockdown hasn't changed anything. It's just accelerated the switch to digital. It's accelerated the growth of digital. And then I've referenced quite a few times over the last few podcasts about estate agents having to offer like virtual viewings now. So they're doing house viewings online. And they were really reluctant to do it because the salespeople, you want to get in front of somebody and have a conversation because that's going to get you a better, better closure rate of the sale and get you the sale faster. But actually what they're finding now is the online viewings, if they want the house, they want the house. It's just, all it's actually done is help them qualify the right leads, which then means they're spending more time on the right leads and less time on the wrong leads. And they're not having to convince people to buy stuff because the market's quite hot. We've got a few tax breaks in the UK at the moment. But certainly I think there's been this kind of accelerated growth of digital, but also that's been supported by the demand going up. So in terms of it getting more competitive, it's like if the demand has doubled online this year, and that's not a statistic, I'm waiting to hear from hear from Google as to what's happened. But um, if, for example, the demand has doubled this year, but also the number of stores selling has doubled, 
everyone's kind of a winner, aren't they? There's a bigger market now and there's more people in that market and that's absolutely fine. So it's good for the new people coming in because they can sort of carve out their own customers and their own audiences. And it's good for the bigger businesses because they're not getting overtaken or swallowed up by all these little stores. They're kind of nibbling away at their customer base. There's more than enough for everybody. The interesting thing is going to be when the high street opens. We had our first vaccination this week and hopefully there would have been lots and lots more by the time this podcast goes out. But yeah, I mean, with that, the high street's going to come back, which I think, well, it's going to come back in some capacity. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the digital world and how the sort of dust settles at the end of it, I think. Yeah, I think hopefully there'll be a lot more mindset of, oh, okay, I can buy online, come and pick up in store. I mean, that's one of the reasons Screwfix and Argos have been so successful in the past, long before any of this happened. They've got this great model where you can just pick your product, go into the store and pick it up. Obviously, <laughs> I think experience-wise, the high street will have to uh, pull up their socks and, and definitely be like, well, this is a place where people come to not only pick up their product and maybe buy others, but also to, given the risks of COVID and and everything, how that's changed the world, you're going to come there for a specific reason and you're going to want to have this great experience. So yeah, I'm hoping it'll all come back. And and I haven't even been into the center of York in like probably eight, nine months now. So really (laughs) missing going into somewhere and just having a nice coffee or a lunch somewhere. But certainly getting cabin fever. (laughs) I miss London. I just miss the buzz of London and the coffee and moving about on the tube and seeing different people and going to groups. And you and I have been to so many evening events together, sitting either side of the microphone. And okay, let's go right back to the start then. So quite a lot of our listeners, they will be sitting there thinking like, right, Shopify is on the podcast. I'm listening to Tim here. I've started my store. I'm starting my store. What are some of the things that you've learned from perhaps some of the plus stores, the more experienced, the sort of bigger growing, scaling stores, et cetera, the really successful ones? What are some of the things you've learned from those guys that you think people starting out a store today could learn from and ideally apply to what they're trying to do? Yeah, I think, well, it's, it's, if you're starting out, then really you've got you've actually got all the advantages because you don't have any legacy systems or ancient business practices, etc., to try and accommodate. So actually, I'd say they definitely have an advantage. Obviously, uh, spinning up a Shopify store, I think the the most difficult for th- thing for them is going to be finding their product, finding their brand, and finding their audience, I guess, to sell it to. But Shopify gives them all those right tools. If I look at some of the more legacy brands that we've had this year uh, that I've helped bring on board. You've got companies like Alessi in Italy, which is uh, cookwares, crockery, uh, cutlery, etc. Very nice uh, luxury stuff. I'm still looking to try and get myself some actually. But uh, you've got this brand brand that was founded in 1921. And uh, they also came from uh, the the M word. But they had things like an AS400 integration. For those of you that don't know, that's, that's like the servers and computers that still had the the green matrix style writing, right? So they still yeah, were using yeah. those, those kinds old. of systems. Yeah, it's very old. They were still using those kinds of systems. And and basically getting that integrated into Shopify is, I wouldn't say it's easy, but th- those are the kinds of challenges that you have these legacy brands and businesses struggling with. Obviously, being so old, they obviously had many stores and international kind of things going on. But yeah, you've got... I'd say, like to answer your question, the smaller, younger brands that are just starting out definitely have a little bit of advantage because they won't go with some of these legacy old systems. You've also then this year got things like Heinz going D to C for the first time. And I think they were obviously maybe planning something like this, but definitely COVID accelerated it. They wanted to set up a sort of system for the key workers as well. So you've got them, I think they launched in a few weeks, Lint as well, Lint Chocolate. Again, a few oh, weeks. So, so good at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got these... Uh, 
legacy brands and businesses, which traditionally, like you say, would have had a two-year deployment or, or buying process and evaluation process, and being able to choose Shopify, even if it is just for a little portion of their business or just doing the online D2C part kind of thing, choosing Shopify and, uh, and a good plus agency and your help as well, and getting online in a matter of weeks instead of wasting millions of dollars and pounds in, in two or three years kind of thing. Definitely. And I've seen quite a lot of individuals I know move from big corporate companies to these little nimble stores. Partly because they a big company, you could be one of two hundred in the digital team, yeah. And you're sitting there, and you're you're responsible for maybe you're one of ten people that work on the paid advertising or the SEO or something. You know, so you're one of ten. So you've got a real kind of niche, laser focus on the thing you need to do. And then they suddenly move to like a sort of startup Shopify store with maybe like twenty staff. You know, it's growing nicely, good products, but loads of challenges. And you arrive there, and it's like great, I get to get my hands dirty with everything. And I've certainly seen a, a trend of people moving across that way which then leaves the the larger organizations more reliant on agencies than ever, which is good and bad, I think. But yeah, certainly, I just love the fact that, well, I love, and I also hate the fact, to use a little Marmite reference, I love and hate the fact that Shopify is so easy. The reason I love it (laughs) is because of just the absolute simplicity. You can click go, even the the number one default theme at $29 a month and you use the out of the box. You can color it how you want. Everything's where you'd expect it to be in terms of like the logo, the menu, the buy button, all that sort of stuff is where you expect it to be. The only downside, and we do get, we get a lot of inquiries through Shopify and also from this podcast and everything else at, at Just Ask Parker and we get so many inquiries where it's like, yeah, so I had a couple of beers one night and I started up a store for $29 and I'm drop shipping everything. I know, and I'm not a millionaire yet and it's really <laughs> angering me. And it's kind of like, okay, you need to, you know, I've been listening to an audio book recently that talks about investing in yourself in terms of your knowledge. Your knowledge is the second most important asset after time. And I think that's one of the, that, that's probably one of the things that I, that I get really frustrated with with Shopify is you get so many of these businesses that they talk a big game and then you look at their numbers and they're tiny mm. and you sort of sit there thinking, are they going to make it? Because a lot of them don't, do they? There's, there's certainly challenges around this. It all sounds very, the technology is very easy, but I would probably say the branding and marketing side of it, getting a good product, finding the right customers, getting the offer right. That's, that's got to be part of the big challenge here, isn't it? Yeah, and that's definitely not something that we can solve for them. I think finding your product and brand and doing that research is is definitely important. And like, even with the bigger brands, like I just mentioned, trying to advise them on like, hey, Shopify is not your, it's not going to do everything for your business, right? It's not the, the A to Z solution that runs everything. It's It's that great selling layer. You still have to think, and I'd say this even to your smaller clients who are just starting out like that, I'd say you've got to think with that bigger mindset, like, all right, what am I going to do when I grow to the next level of size? Look at Gymshark, right? They were also thinking, what's the next big size that I want to go to? And what systems, what knowledge, like you say, do I need to have in place to achieve that? Yeah, but definitely they need to always keep learning and, and figuring things out. And and that's the great thing with the Shopify ecosystem, isn't it? There's the, the forums, there's your blogs and uh, this, this podcast, et cetera, and loads and loads of other content out there. I'd say even just doing a, a basic Shopify design course on, on a, something like a you know Udemy or something will definitely help some of these people starting out. Definitely. And I think, yeah, there's so many good resources out there. And if there was one underlying theme in all of them, what would you say is in terms of like the, the top thing to focus on, the top bit of advice? If there was one underlying theme, the top bit of focus and top bit of advice... I would say definitely getting that product, that brand right. I mean, I've seen some great stores and and brands coming through since I've joined Shopify. And one week 
<laughs> literally the month before they came, they started. And then three months later, I'm going back and checking on them and they're doing a few million. So if you get that, <laughs> that is quick growth. <laughs> uh, it's not, I'm not even joking. There's some, and sometimes it's like uh, really just right place, right time. I think the one was uh, like selling COVID masks on the 1st of yeah. April, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. There was also the, a couple of charities that I worked with. So like the, I can't remember the name of it now, but you remember the, you get those soldier silhouettes for uh, Remembrance Day and those kinds of things. They were, they exploded, obviously. But then again, it's the right product, right place, right country for that kind of thing. A lot of the shaving brands that I've worked with, the subscription shaving. So that's another thing. You've got whole new types of businesses. Nobody would have thought 10 years ago, obviously, you had the beginnings of Prime, I guess, with the with the pay $9.99 a month for the free shipping. But nobody would have thought, all oh, right, we're going to be buying our razors, <laughs> our pasta, Yeah, our on a food. subscription, yeah. arrives at your front door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's essentially like going to lots of local little butchers and greengrocers and that sort of thing, isn't it? But they come to your door, which... I even heard yesterday that the local restaurant in in one of the local restaurants here in york is selling brownies nationally now so oh, wow. it's incredible although <laughs> yeah. there was the just on a quick side note there's the yorkshire pudding in york and i did get one and there was the big they managed to get all over the tv for like one of the world's biggest yorkshire puddings or something oh, right. and then they started selling at their thing a yorkshire pudding that had like sausages and vegetables and potatoes all in the middle of the yorkshire pudding and there was probably four stores in the middle of york selling these things but people were flocking up there like when we were walking past there was a queue of at least like two or three hundred people in the center of york trying to get this big yorkshire pudding and then i looked online and they were now offering like deliveroo justy etc and then they had to stop because they couldn't keep up with the orders and it was like so then they had the adverse effect of we can't get enough kitchens and kitchen staff to cook the product yeah, yeah. so they had to stop all of that and they just sort of said well let's just make the millions we're going to make from our stores but also then the, the downside of that is then the wave disappeared so they are still there but now they're just another store on the on the high street or another uh, sort of cafe restaurant type thing. There's nothing sort of super special. Send me that. I'll go before the next lockdown starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think there's going to be a third one, do you? So if we look at what Christmas is going to do, but anyway. Definitely, definitely. No, and then just, just going back to your answer about the product, I'd completely agree. And part of the reason I would agree is because a lot of the guests we've had on here have said the same sort of thing. Mm. And I haven't teed any of those people up. So we had Unbound Merino Wool. I've also got an interview with the Rare Tea Company, which is going to be coming out in January. And um, we've already recorded, which I thoroughly recommend to anybody listening now to check that one out. It's probably going to be the first Friday in January, I think, unless Friday is the first, then it might be the following week. But um, talking about how to grow and, and scale a, um, an ethical business. So they've spent years with their farmers and they've been running for decades now and Shopify has just helped them accelerate that. So I'd certainly recommend that. But everybody talks about the product. The product has to be the best bit. Something that the guys from Unbound Merino Wool said is when I asked them, the, the question I asked them was, how do you get repeat orders? And they said, it's all about product. If the product's good, people will just come back and keep buying it. So make sure you have a good range of products and the products themselves are good. And there are enough products that if you've bought a t-shirt or a jumper or some trousers, you can go back and then purchase some trainers or some socks. Or if you can, he said, even if you can give those little email prompts to, to recommend the right things. So if somebody's bought some walking sticks from your walking poles for hiking, 
They then said, why don't you offer them some gloves that match or some gloves that specifically fit that walking pole? What's the conversion rate going to be on that versus just cold text ads on Google, you know, or Facebook? So I think certainly product has got to be got to be at the epicenter of this. And I think going into next year, my prediction, which people are happy to hold me to because I've, I've been wrong many times in the past. My prediction is that certainly with e-commerce and retail, customers in the UK and US and across Europe, especially, I think are going to get absolutely obsessed with where products have come from, what the quality of those products is, how the workers are looked after. We've had years of hearing about, and I won't name any, but certain brands sort of paying people next to nothing and workers dying young and working in factories for 16 hours a day. All of that is coming to light. And a lot of those, one of those businesses has just gone into liquidation. I'm pretty sure it's related to all the press that's been coming out and they couldn't deny it because it was all true. And so I think next year, when we're talking about products, Hence why we wanted to kick off the year with an ethical podcast. I think there's going to be a big, a big leaning towards that. And I certainly saw Shopify has got a couple of kind of eco things going on, haven't they? I think I saw something that they trying to plant more trees than the electricity they use. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is creating CO2. Yeah, definitely. Well, you would have seen actually on our, our wonderful live map over Black Friday, Cyber Monday. The I don't know if it was on the public version, but I've got some public stats here anyway. So 62,000 tons of carbon emissions offset over our Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales. So wow, that's unreal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Toby's got the uh, one or two initiatives going on with planting more trees, etc. So it's, it's definitely great from that point of view. Sure. And I think that there's a lot of hosting companies out there for, you know, WordPress and Magento who just pick up any old server anywhere and don't really know what's going on. However, I think I think there's certainly in terms of hosting, there are certain things we would always recommend to clients go to the biggest provider you can. There's a lot of times we would recommend finding the right consultants or the right niche company. But when it comes to things like technology and hosting, you want the best, you want it insured, you want it guaranteed, you want 99.969% uptime, all that sort of stuff. And I think obviously with Shopify, you don't have an alternative, like it just works. And that, that was one of the scariest things I think for some of our clients moving to Shopify was the hosting. But then when they look at the statistics and you ask them a year in, they're like, oh yeah, we forgot about hosting issues. We used to have loads on our old site, but we've forgotten about them now because it's not a problem. I don't think I, I push that kind of USP enough, to be honest with you. Most of the time, I'm just pushing the, the actual uh, features, like I mentioned, the, the plus apps and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you forget about that hosting and that uptime. I mean, we didn't have any uh, issues at all over Black Friday, Super Monday. And prior to that, I actually was on uh, sort of like a, a mini notification support rotor for around the world because obviously we do around the world support. And I volunteered thinking, oh, I'm going to, I might have to have the odd, <laughs> odd call here and there. I was a bit sure. And then absolutely no, nothing happened. You know, it was all smooth. And, and that's been like that for the entire three years I've been here for me anyway. So it's, it's very impressive how they keep everything so stable and up and running all the time. Especially given the the scale, I can read off a few more stats here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give us some numbers. I think yeah, numbers are great, and it'd be good just to kind of hear you know what was going on over Black Friday because yeah. yeah, certainly a couple of our Magento clients they didn't go down, but they were terrified of it. There were like really strict meetings with the web agency and the hosting guys. Like, is this going to hold up? So um, yeah, tell us tell us what happened. So overall, I think everyone might know this one, but we did five point one billion in total GMV. So that's wow, seventy six percent growth year on year, 84% growth year on year in the full week leading up to Cyber Monday. We've done that one. Triple digit growth in Japan, Italy, Germany, and the UK, and 44 million customers shopped 
from Shopify merchants during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. 44 million. Wow. I don't know if you saw the stat from Amazon, which was only five point, uh, sorry, 4.8 billion, I think they said on one of the news news press releases I saw. But um, yeah, I'll give you some more detailed stats here about the UK. So 122% growth of sales on the Shopify platform in the year since last year. 107% growth of consumers in the UK purchasing from Shopify merchants. So that's definitely huge now. I think that's quite an understated statistic if you think about it, because that means yeah. 107% more people bought from any one of your merchants for the first time, if I'm understanding this that right. Yeah, so absolutely mad. And um, it's interesting now because we've got a few new colleagues in Germany now, because we're obviously starting to push a little bit uh, more in those countries. And they're still like in the stage I was at three years ago when I joined here in the UK and just seeing the amount of German merchants coming on every week now. So hopefully Black Friday next year, they'll be able to... Actually, I bought a few nice items. I bought myself a new mattress over Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but my colleagues in Germany are like, oh, there's still not enough stores. We, we, can't, we still can't find the thing we want. So definitely a huge space for people to jump onto Shopify in Germany and, and those other countries. Let me see what else I got here. 22 minutes, the average time from start to checkout. So 22 minutes from, from the start to checkout for, for a UK consumer, just 22 minutes. Obviously, London's the top selling city. £54.93 is the average card price in the UK. That's a lot higher than I expected it to be for, for average price, especially on Black Friday. Yeah, yeah. If you think that's 50 odd pounds plus, you know, which is probably about $40 plus the, the discounts and stuff that have been applied to that. So the actual item price was probably pretty high. I mean, I spent quite a lot over Black Friday this year. I, I've been telling everyone on the podcast for ages that I, I was going to buy a, a new TV from John Lewis and I have got my new TV and I absolutely love it. So it's, it's anti-glare, anti-reflection. My only, my only sadness is that John Lewis's Black Friday discount on the telly was the same discount they had the day before Black Friday. <laughs> so it didn't actually change in terms of a discount, but it's fine. The warranty, I've got a five-year warranty on it, and that was the reason people shop in the UK at John Lewis. So, Have you got any stats for the US as well? Because I know a lot of our listeners are based out, out in the US. Those global stats, obviously a large proportion of that is the US anyway. I'm sure it's a similar trend in the US. I imagine that the US is, yeah, yeah. the US and UK are often aligned the us is just a multiplication of what's going on in the uk and certainly in terms of like technology adoption and that kind of thing it's also given the language it's another another massive factor i think the us from a shopify point of view there's a lot more selling obviously internationally between the us and canada that's where the multi-currency feature really plays to to the to its strengths there and being able to switch on Shopify payments and just start selling across both. But yeah, definitely within the US is where the bulk of this stuff happens anyway. Yeah, nice, nice. And finally, just before we sort of round up today's podcast, what what are you looking at in terms of like things that Shopify are planning to do next year? Like, dare I say the word marketplace um, has been talked about a lot. There's also some B2B stuff. I, I, and j- just as a reference to anyone listening, if Tim doesn't answer any of these questions, it's fine. I, I didn't tee any of these up. This is just stuff I've been reading the last few days, mostly on rumor mill uh, and places like that. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't really <laughs> give too much. Well, tell us what you can think, tell us. That's, that's the most actually, important thing. I'll, I'll say it like this. What I normally tell you is where I think personally, where I think that things are going. This year, we obviously saw a huge amount of development on the point of sale. We launched the new point of sale, which has some more click and collect functionality. So I'm hoping because of the vaccine, et cetera, I'm hoping that we'll see a large proportion of small businesses and, and obviously bigger plus size retailers starting up again. But definitely the point of sale is where 
we can provide the most value to help those businesses boot themselves up again. Sure. And just for anybody listening, point of sale is where you're physically in a shop, paying with your cards, face to face with another human. So. Yeah, but there are other use cases for that app as well. And then even for things like salespeople, if they're starting out their jobs again and selling, I've seen salespeople doing sales through the point of sale as well. So it's quite, it's quite a versatile app from that point of view. To kill the marketplace thing, I don't know anything about that. Absolutely fine. <laughs> no idea. Obviously, we do have our shop app, which is really useful uh, for tracking your products from those Shopify merchants that have opted in for it, right? So if you buy something from a Shopify merchant, you could install the shop app and it'll just pick up all your orders from, from your email address. So you can see, all right, I've got my, my mattress coming from that retailer. I've got my, my weekly food subscription coming from that retailer. And it'll actually track those and, and see you'll see when they're coming through. But yeah, so I was, I was going to say, I'm hoping to see more stuff around points of sale next year to help everyone get their physical businesses back up and running. But also from a European point of view, I want to see more in the Shopify payments area. So that's where I'm hoping we'll see a lot more happening. Obviously, we do quite a lot now already with the with the Klarna's and that kind of thing, but I'm hoping we'll see even more of that kind of functionality coming through. So let's wait and see on the, what was it, B2B functionality. Yes, that's another area where, and actually this is December is typically where we start doing a lot more B2B deals because, or B2B meeting, shall I say, because you've got all the B2C companies all locked in from like Black Friday, right? They don't want to make any changes. So let's keep everything clean and simple. And- yeah. End of January. We've, we've got about five site launches just <laughs> yeah. pending the end of January. So, <laughs> so this is kind of a quiet period for us from a B2C point of view, but not for, for, for bringing new merchants onto the platform, I should say. But uh, B2B, we start to do a lot more meetings during December because these guys aren't, they're not typically bothered by Black Friday or Christmas or anything like that. So they start investigating platforms. And yeah, you're right. We have been working on a, a new B2B product, which I believe is targeted for some time at the end of 2021. That, that'll be really cool. Obviously, we do still have a, a current offering like the wholesale channel. And I'm happy to speak to any of your listeners about the wholesale channel, which is the ability to sell in bulk and B2B on a normal Shopify plus store anyway. So there are still options. But yeah, those, those are the three areas I'm hoping we'll see a lot more coming out next year. Sure. And I think on the B2B side, as you say, we've got clients who are B2B using Shopify right now. We actually did a split test and we had a theme that was a bit old. The background color was like blue and it was all just a bit kind of early 2000s design. And it actually converted better than when we put the kind of all fancy white background trust pilot. It converted better just from a pure conversion point of view. And the reason why we think is just because it was trade customers and they just wanted something that looked old and robust and I can trust it. If it looked too fancy, it put them off a bit. And they're sort of driving about in their vans, could be covered in water, trying to fix a pipe whilst trying to order a part on their phone sort of thing. So yes, yeah, so a design, I think, doesn't the best design is not always the best design, is, is what we say. But equally, functionality is there. And we've got some B2B clients who have switched from really old industrial systems that when you look at them, they don't actually make any sense. You know, it's a sort of, this system is fundamentally broken and your team are spending hours manually changing things. And then switching something like Shopify, even with a very similar design to what they had previously, just means the backend management is now next to nothing. And the growth potential now is absolutely huge. Kind of ticks both boxes there. So certainly if there's anybody listening in who's not trying to sell sort of eco-friendly skincare products or clothing, which are two very, very common Shopify store theme of product, um, then absolutely, I think there's a, a market for that as well. 
But look, Tim, it's been so great to have you with us today. I really appreciate some of the numbers you've shared, some of the advice and that sort of thing. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Great stuff. And for anybody else listening, it's the end of the year now. We might have a little bonus podcast just between Christmas and New Year. I'm just trying to schedule dates at the moment and it'll be a bit of a wild card episode talking about some very different things to Shopify or, or what we normally talk about. But if we do do it, apart from that, into January, we're going to be um, doing a whole series on Meet the Merchant or in fact, it's quite a good title, which I made up just as I'm speed talking now. But we're going to do something in the new year, meeting some of the Shopify store owners. We've already got the Rare Tea Company booked in for that and have actually recorded already as well. And we're going to aim to have at least three other store owners talking about how they started their stores, how they built them, how to scale them, how to grow them whilst keeping the fundamentals of the business intact as well. So it doesn't just become a numbers game. But um, I hope you all have an amazing Christmas. I hope you find time to relax over this time. I certainly recommend investing in yourselves over this time, listening to audiobooks podcasts, getting your head into a good book and also resting up. And we look forward to having you with us again in the new year. So thanks a lot for listening. And we'll be back in January. Sign up for free for the Shopify approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.